We're back. Today, we have a wide-ranging agenda to talk to you all about. First two items on the agenda, more a take on recent news. So while we were all distracted by Apple's long-awaited release of its Vision Pro mixed reality headset, Intel quietly announced that it is selling another $1.5 billion worth of mobilized stock. We, of course, do have a couple of things to weigh in on on the Vision Pro, as well as the MetaQuest 3. And then, as we have been promising, we are going to talk about some more semiconductor-adjacent industries, specifically power management, energy efficiency, uh, as a very important industry topic right now in this new era of AI. Uh, Casey, of course, here with me to talk about this. Casey, let's kick it off with Intel selling Mobileye. You had a quip about this when you saw the news. Before continuing, let me remind you to hit the like button and subscribe to the channel if this video is helpful as you do your own investment research and increase your knowledge of business and technology. We really appreciate the support as subscribing to the channel helps us continue putting out content like this. Yeah, amazingly, I got an article recommendation news piece about Intel selling another $1.5 billion in shares worth of Mobileye. And all I could think of is like Intel is back at the pawn shop, basically. Like, they're selling some of their most valuable part of the business again. They're trying to drum up some cash, right? And Mobileye is basically the only growing part of the business at this point. So what exactly is going on, Nick? What's your take on this? Yeah, right. Mobileye, like you said, growing, but also profitable. So you know, this is automotive technology, which, of course, we'll get to this in a moment. Mobileye designs uh, specific type of chips for autonomous driving and advanced driver assist systems, um, as well as a complete package, including cameras and other sensors uh, to help enable ADAS. Uh, it's, it's profitable. It's a secular growth trend. Intel needs the cash, though, because they are betting big on catching up in chip design technology and, of course, uh, manufacturing. Um, they want to recapture the lead in chip manufacturing leadership. They lost that leadership to Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing a number of years ago, so they want to reclaim that. But it's going to cost a lot of money, so they're selling 35 million shares of Mobileye, up to another 5 million in within a 30-day window after, after this sale to the market, so possibly over $1.5 billion dollars. They'll still be approximately 92% owners of Mobileye, so this is still uh, this is still their horse in in the automotive technology race. But basically, one and a half billion dollars. What that maybe gets them six, seven, maybe ASML EUV lithography machines. Uh, so they need the cash. This is an expensive endeavor. Nick, what's the update on the Tower Semi acquisition? And then also is, I, I we noticed that Mobileye actually downgraded their guidance. So what are your thoughts on that? 
Yes, uh, Tower Semi still under review by Chinese regulators. It's supposed to be finished by the end of June. We'll see. Uh, perhaps it gets delayed again. I I don't know. We're we're still waiting for some updates on that. But of course, Tower Semi, a chip manufacturer based in Israel, Mobileye also based in Israel. We think Intel probably has some plans to integrate these two businesses because Mobileye needs someone to manufacture some of its analog chips, the sensors and the cameras for its supervision uh, system for um, advanced driver assist. But we'll have to see on that. Uh, and then as far as Mobileye guidance goes, they they said there was one specific customer in China that basically delayed adoption of its supervision. Again, that's just a fully integrated system that includes their IQ processor chip as well as a suite of sensors. Um, so a bit of a delay there and in that adoption. And basically what that means for Mobileye's guidance is previously Mobileye had been anticipating as much as $2.28 billion in full year 2023 revenue and $627 million in adjusted operating income. That has now been reduced to as much as $2.1 billion in revenue and only $577 million in adjusted operating income. So uh, the last time we did an update on Mobileye, we said, you know, it's a fantastic business, definitely worth keeping an eye on. We think Intel's most valuable asset, future asset, if automotive technology continues to grow, but we were not buying yet. And between Intel selling shares, the downgrade in guidance, we still think it's not time yet. Uh, just bear in mind here, folks, mobilized stock trades for over 60 times expected 2023 adjusted operating income. So this is a high-priced stock. Growth has been reduced down to like a single-digit year-over-year growth rate. Uh, we think this thing is way overpriced until we get some more clarity on the company's growth prospects into 2024 and beyond. Uh, we think this stock is still a hold or a wait and see. Speaking of this automotive sector, there's just a few companies that are really making most of these chips in this industry. Uh, it's about um, it's a market worth about five billion a year. Two billion is from Mobileye, two billion from Qualcomm, and about a and one billion from Nvidia. As many of our listeners know, we're big fans of Qualcomm, and we still are in this market. Yeah, and maybe just just to further clarify this too, uh, this market that you just mentioned, Casey, about five billion a year. This is like very very high end processor chips for things like advanced driver assist systems. Of course, there's a lot of other processors used in vehicles, uh, MCUs, microcontroller units. Uh, we did that bit on microchip uh, about a month ago. So we're not talking about that part of the market, but specifically this high-end processor market. And yeah, we like Qualcomm. We're close to a cyclical bottom, uh, if not already at a cyclical bottom for the company's smartphone business and the automotive business still growing and we think can be a very large part of Qualcomm's overall results in the not so distant future. Casey, anything to add here? 
Uh, nothing other than you'll be able to find Intel on the latest episode of Pawn Stars. If they still make that show, I don't even know if that show's being still being made, but if, if, if it is, I think Intel would definitely be a good candidate for the next episode. Thanks for joining me in, uh, some skepticism on Intel and its dealings. It still remains to be seen if their strategy works, uh, another wait and see stock for us. Okay. Let's move on to topic number two, Casey, we have, we have dubbed this. Or maybe I should say I've dubbed this because uh, I think I got a dad joke grown out of you. Face brick versus eye ski mask. I think it is very aptly named uh, face brick and eye ski mask. Uh, Apple finally unveiled that Vision Pro, which will be available next year for a price tag of $3,499, which is going to compete against Meta's face brick for uh, the Quest 3 Facebook for $499 available in later this year. I don't know. I'm not, I'm super skeptical of this whole thing, but I know that you are a bit of a fan of the virtual reality or augmented reality potential, but what do you think about these two things? As is the case with a lot of new computing uh, innovation, I think video gaming is sort of the gateway into this. That's definitely the approach Meta has been taking. Meta, of course, Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp. That's the approach Meta has been taking for a number of years now with its Quest headsets. Um, we, of course, have the Quest Pro, which is their higher-priced model, over a 1000 Um, And then the Quest 3 coming up. Um, they're definitely going for the more mass market appeal. Maybe this is like the Android of VR and then Apple, of course, kind of still inhabiting the uh, the high end part of the market, much like it does with, with its iPhone and MacBooks now. Uh, I actually, I, I am a fan of virtual reality, but but <laughs> I like to play video games from an everyday usage point of view. I'm not sure the tech is there yet. Apple, of course, uh, their superpower is salesmanship. Um, of course, they got that from Steve Jobs and Tim Cook trying to carry that torch. Uh, and this is really the first, the first time he's had the opportunity to do that in almost 10 years. Uh, it was all the way back in 2014 that they announced the watch and made the Beats acquisition. Um, so an opportunity for, for Cook and company to show off their sales prowess. I, I don't think this is still going to propel us to mainstream adoption of VR. But what I do know, Casey, is um, we're not Apple ecosystem users here, but we do know people love their Apple products. And you're not going to need very many of those people to buy one of these Vision Pros to turn a profit. At thirty three thousand four hundred ninety nine bucks a pop, uh, you really don't need to sell many of them uh, to make this a significant revenue segment for Apple. So I think even if this is just a niche market, Apple probably still going to make some money from this. I would definitely agree with you on that because I mean 
as you said, we don't use Apple products here, uh, but basically everyone we know does. And I feel like some of those people will definitely drop this amount of money just to have one and just to experience it. So uh, as you said, Apple is fantastic at making it seem like you need their newest product. And so I think that is definitely going to continue to be the case, even with something as pricey as this. But let's let's talk a little bit about who we like as far as companies that will benefit from the use of these these types of products, these uh, headsets, the Facebook and iSki mask. Yeah, let's talk about the the picks and shovels play for the Facebook and iSki mask. And so Apple announced that Vision Pro will be powered by one of their M-series chips. That's the processor that they designed in-house for the MacBook a couple of years ago. We're now on the M2, the second gen generation. So they've got one of those things in there, but they also developed a new chip called the R1. They designed it to try to solve one of the pain points of virtual reality, and that's motion sickness. And oftentimes what causes this when using a VR headset is there's a little bit of a lag between movement and input and the display itself, what you're seeing in the display itself. And so they've designed this R1 chip to take in all the information from the sensors and the cameras on Vision Pro and almost instantaneously um, provide, provide the output, the visual output to help reduce that, that feeling of uh, I see being seasick. I personally, it's not something I've suffered from. I tend to just get the headaches from, you know, using, you know, having a screen basically so close to your face. Uh, but a lot of people do have this motion sickness feeling. So the R1 chip, they were very scant on details about what this is, but I would venture to guess this is probably an ARM-based chip design, which means I think this puts Qualcomm in position to design something similar for Meta, because no doubt if this thing uh, is is a win for Apple, Meta is going to want some sort of comparable chip. And so Meta taps Qualcomm, of course, they have the Snapdragon chip processors and integrated GPU for graphics. Uh, so I, I think this now behooves Qualcomm to come up with an answer. Uh, so that's one pick that we like here to benefit from a potential virtual reality and augmented reality uh, boom, I, maybe resurgence of interest in the metaverse. Um, what else, Casey? What else could take off? Well, you may have just watched our video on Broadcom, and they recently renewed their contract with Apple. So 5G and Wi-Fi will be an integral part of these Vision Pro devices and also uh, in-device networking components. So I think both of these companies, as you mentioned, Qualcomm and of course Broadcom will definitely be beneficiaries of these devices. Okay, good stuff. Uh, maybe Vision Pro is a flop. Uh, maybe Meta's Quest devices are dead in the water because this is a Apple success. We don't know. But, you know, we've got our Apple and our meta position. Fine. Uh, we think these are ancillary plays. Ultimately, we like chip stocks. All right, Casey, let's talk about something. 
we've been hinting at for a while, but have yet to discuss head on. And I think this is probably, hopefully what everyone has actually tuned in for. And that is a very important adjacent industry to semiconductors, to chips, energy usage, uh, because all semiconductors, basically, they're just, they're just basically conduits for electricity. Uh, electricity is what powers computing. It's, it's what powers the work that they do. Um, it's the manipulation of electricity, uh, the movement of electrons, basically, uh, that, that compute things. But in this new era of AI, in particular, the cloud, high-performance computing, now generative AI, uh, these things are starting to consume a lot of power. Um, so let's talk about how investors can benefit from this, not just the problem, but specifically the solution to it. Uh, let's maybe introduce the problem, though, first. Um, we've got a quote here. Casey, do you want to you talk about this quote for a minute? The discussion centered around designing chips that generate more computing power with less energy. And she said something really interesting about data centers' current energy usage. She said, putting aside the demands of AI, 30% of the data centers in the world, which really power the cloud growth that we are all experiencing, are in the United States. And they already use 2% of all our energy. And this really reminded, reminded me of a conversation you had with Manavir Das at NVIDIA. He also mentioned data center energy being an issue. So maybe you could refresh us on what that conversation was like and then why this is such an important point in the semiconductor industry. Right. He briefly mentioned that um, last year and that interview, maybe we should just link that interview here again. Uh, Manavir Das, the vice president of enterprise computing at NVIDIA. Um, and he said something very similar. Basically, data centers in the U.S. currently account for a low to mid single digit percentage of all energy usage. But because, because organizations are continuously moving to high performance compute in the cloud, and now, of course, generative AI, which uses a lot more electricity, he said that 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 percentage of all energy usage going to data centers was going to increase to a high single digit percentage, if not maybe even a low teens percentage of all energy produced in the US. So maybe just to reframe the problem here, we're not saying there's an energy shortage per se, but between data centers and the cloud, AI, uh, and then maybe the extra added burden of electric vehicles, energy usage is shifting. And so the way that energy is delivered uh, needs to change, needs to radically change because sort of the legacy uses of energy are going away and now it's shifting towards what we're calling technology today. But really this is this is just in advance of, of industry um, to more power efficient usage, more efficiency, which is really a good thing, but the delivery systems need to change. That's that's basically, if we're going to reframe this problem here, uh, that's what we're talking about. Maybe this is a good time to bring up our semiconductor industry flowchart here and look at exactly where we're focusing our discussion on here today. 
In the bottom left corner here, you see specialty energy equipment, service, and design. And then right above that on uh, top left here, it's base material and gases. So these are the areas that we're discussing today. We did do a video recently on air products and Lindy, which we will link in the video. They focus in that base materials and gases sector. Today, we're going to discuss another company, Advanced Energy Industries, which fit in that specialty energy grid there. Yes, and we did we did reveal, I think it was last week, that we were going to make our first purchase of air products. And again, it's it's because they fall into this base materials segment, but they also make a lot of the equipment that delivers the gases needed to produce chips, but also energy. Uh, they're also a natural gas and hydrogen play as well. So they, they make a lot of the equipment that delivers some of this new power distribution and infrastructure. Air Products investing a ton of money right now, billions of dollars. I think their, their CapEx for this year is anticipated to be $5.5 billion uh, as they invest in everything from natural gas to hydrogen uh, to ramping up some new projects, supplying um, noble gases to the semiconductor manufacturing space. We think that will pay off in the coming years, and that has yet to be reflected in Air Products' current stock price. Uh, we think under 280 bucks a share. Uh, we like we like the stock at this current valuation, uh, and so we started started picking up uh, a few shares here and there of that. But Advanced Energy, AEIS, uh, if Air Products kind of spans both of these segments of the flowchart, base materials and equipment, uh, Advanced Energy is more of a focused play specifically on the equipment, the specialty equipment used to power um, everything from chip manufacturing equipment, chip fabs, and also actually data centers themselves. So to give you an idea of how involved advanced energy is in the semiconductor industry, let's look at their 2022 revenue breakdown here. It shows you that 50% of their total revenue was in semiconductor equipment, 23% in industrial and medical, and then 18% in data center computing, and then a small percentage of telecom and networking. And then we'll take a look here at their most recent quarter breakdown here, you can see in semiconductor equipment, it was their largest segment there, $194 million in the, of revenue in that quarter and 60 million in data center and computing. Yeah, now this is, this is important that you just brought this up, Casey, because of course we know semiconductor manufacturing equipment in a cyclical slump this year uh, as our data centers right at the moment. And we think a lot of this is because some of the, the hyperscalers, the big public cloud companies are currently retooling their designs for this generative AI. And so they've probably kind of hit the pause button for a bit on making purchases of equipment, of, of power management and sensor equipment from advanced energy. But because of the tremendous amount of power needed to run these generative AI models as they start to integrate those chips that they're purchasing from companies like NVIDIA into their data center, they're also going to need to purchase new power management equipment 
from advanced energy as well. Uh, and then of course, headed into 2024, uh, an expected boom in semiconductor manufacturing equipment as well. Uh, they need modules and sensors from advanced energy to make these machines. So some of the customers that we're talking about here, ASML holding, applied materials, uh, and other chip fab equipment makers use these power management systems and sensors from advanced energy to build the system that they eventually ship to companies like Intel, to T TSMC, and, and so on. Advanced Energy has a great visual on their website on semiconductor manufacturing. It's under how we power the process. And you can see just a, just a snapshot of this, some of the products that they have that facilitate semiconductor manufacturing. Uh, up at the top, they have this chamber clean, plasma sputtering and ion implant density, uh, wafer control, dry abatement, support power. So at every step of the process, they have a device that helps with powering the manufacturing process for semiconductors. And it's a similar story with data centers as well. Although this is a small segment, uh, they actually got into the segment a few years ago via acquisition. It's a small segment, but again, all sorts of modules, uh, energy control units and sensors used in data centers for the flow of electricity uh, to get very precise flows of electricity to equipment at the right time, um, as well as some, some equipment involved with the cooling of these data centers. Very important components here because whenever you're talking about the flow of electrons, uh, there's resistance there and the product is a lot of heat, which absolutely kills performance. So uh, that's another interesting part of advanced energies business here. Um, as we're talking about more chips, more powerful chips, more heat, you need cooling instruments. Um, and so advanced energy also a play on that as well. I noticed on some of their slides, Advanced Energy said they're number one or number two in pure play for energy systems. Do they have any competitors? Yep, yep, they do. And you can find this in the annual reports. The company admits this particular market that we're talking about here, again, referring to the flow chart here, uh, the specialty energy equipment and, and design companies. This is actually a very, very fragmented part of the market. And Advanced Energy rattles off a number of competitors. Some of them trade on exchanges outside of the US. Uh, and these are very small companies that are roughly about the same size as Advanced Energy or maybe only slightly larger. Again, we're talking about a lot of small cap companies here, but Comet Holding, Daihan Core, MKS Instruments, that's actually a NASDAQ stock, MKSI, uh, dabbles in this XP power, but then let's maybe talk about some of the bigger ones, because this is actually where I started when we started delving into this market. I, I will do a video on this later, but in, in our research process, but we always start at the top. Who's the biggest name in the business? And so we have far and away the biggest one, ABB, the Swiss industrial conglomerate, ABB, uh, that's now an over-the-counter stock in the US, ABBNY. 
we have light on technology, which trades uh, in Taiwan and Pegatron, also another Taiwanese company. Uh, and then here in the US, we have Flex, uh, that's a NASDAQ stock, F-L-E-X, Flex, and then a recent spinoff from Flex called Next Tracker, which uh, specifically focuses on solar power plant uh, control systems. So solar power, one solution that some data center companies are relying on um, and a lot of enterprises are relying on to meet their energy needs. Uh, so next tracker, ticker symbol NXT. Uh, some others as well that maybe don't directly compete with advanced energy, but they are energy system uh, builders, let's say. Uh, one is called Bloom Energy, ticker symbol B-E, Bloom Energy. They make hydrogen systems. That's that's another solution here that is being touted as um, helping with the increased power demands of data centers. Uh, but we've really kind of specifically focused in here on advanced energy for a reason. The reason we like advanced energy is it's more of a pure play than some of these other companies that Nick mentioned. So where is the valuation sitting? What are the financials looking like? Yeah, we do. We do not own any of advanced energy yet. This is a company we've started following for the last six months or so. And the stock price has slowly risen over that span of time, even as it looks like revenue is in specifically earnings showing some weakness because primarily of the chip equipment part of the business, which is, you know, roughly half of revenue. So currently the company trades for about 20 times trailing 12 month earnings. We think that metric could actually continue to deteriorate in the next quarter or two uh, if earnings keep falling. Because again, uh, roughly half of the business tied to semiconductor fab equipment which is in decline this year, data center equipment spending temporarily on hold. So we're kind of still just watching this one, but maybe the second half of 2023, we might start to dabble in this one because we do see a tremendous amount of demand coming for, for these, these energy modules, energy management devices and sensors, uh, Again, from chip manufacturing, but also data center usage, uh, telecom usage, 5G networks use a massive amount of power as well. Um, so that small telecom segment, we think, can also be a long-term growth driver as well. And then, of course, you get the nice little ancillary play on industrial and medical. Um, they make power devices for those spaces as well. Uh, another thing we like here about advanced energy is it on the balance sheet, it actually has more cash than debt. Uh, one thing that you'll notice about a lot of industrial companies is they they tend to have more debt than they do cash, uh, which which makes it hard to be kind of light and nimble when you do, when you need to shift focus, maybe make a bolt-on acquisition or something something like that. Advanced Energy has has kind of retained its lightweight balance sheet here. So we're showing you some balance sheet info here from our ticker terminal. Uh, again, you can see more cash and equivalents than debt. Maybe not the cheapest valuation, 
Um, but, but we think there's potential here. So we've got it on watch. Uh, currently the stock trading at about a hundred bucks a share. Uh, you know, Casey, I actually could easily see this coming down 10, 15, 20% at some point um, in the next few months or in the second half of 2023. And if, if we see that happen, we'll, we'll be interested in scooping up, scooping up shares. What we are buying right now, as mentioned, is Air Products. Uh, under $280 a share is a very fair value at this point. We'll show you once again the visual that Air Products shared in their most recent earnings report of their projects that are coming down the pike. How, Nick, how does this show the focus here at Air Products? You can you can see here a lot of a lot of new energy delivery system projects. Uh, again, just, just to kind of really hit this point home, you can see liquefied natural gas uh, projects currently being worked on in Tennessee and Saudi Arabia, and then project commitments. Um, the timing of these projects coming up within the next few years, again, more natural gas, more hydrogen, um, a semiconductor project that's probably TSMC over in Taiwan, uh, probably having something to do uh, with their supply of neon uh, or something else, different uh, carbon capture projects, a lot of stuff going on here. And we really think air products, again, maybe a little bit behind where its larger peer Lindy was at a few years ago with their capital expense outlay basically bringing a lot of these new projects online. And that's kind of why we like air products right now. Uh, we think again, it's fair valued at under 280 bucks for the long term. As some of these project projects get wrapped up, the spending on it goes away. And then, you know, the project turns on and air products and its partners start monetizing it. Um, we think there's a lot of potential over the next three to five years for these new energy delivery systems. We will keep a close eye on this segment of the semiconductor industry, the specialty energy equipment, base materials and gases, and we will make sure that we keep you up to date on any changes to our portfolio in these segments. So we covered a lot of ground today, uh, Intel, Mobileye, Apple, Broadcom, Qualcomm, of course, and our discussion of APD and advanced energy industries. Stay tuned for more content. We have the semiconductor equipment manufacturing index that we have been working on. We will show you that later this week, hopefully. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. Don't miss a video and we will see you again very soon. Thanks for watching Chip Stock Investor.